Hello, friends. Welcome to the CNBC podcast, where we explore how Jesus is at work in and around our world. Calvary Monument Bible Church is a body of Christ called by Jesus to love, live, and lead for God's glory, desiring to grow in a greater love for God and a greater love for those he places in our pathways. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Calvary Monument Bible Church, we would invite you to check us out online at www.calvarymonument.org. I'm Pastor Chris Lenhart, and with us today, we have Kendall Keeler. Kendall is the Donor Acquisitions Manager for one of CNBC's own global partners, ServeNow. He has vast leadership experience in both the for-profit and non-profit world, serving in multiple leadership roles across non-profits such as Water Street Rescue Mission and BlackRock Retreat, and for-profit corporations like hers. Kendall has also been an actor for Sight and Sound and is a graduate of Lancaster Bible College. His first book, Your Last 24, was recently published and is available in the Amazon bookstore. Today, among a myriad of topics, we will discuss how we in America could play part, a vital part, in a spiritual revival happening right now in the country of Uganda. And guess what? It involves bicycles. Jesus is at work. Let's hear what he is up to. Kendall, thanks so much for being with us today on the CNBC podcast. I know this is take two. I appreciate you being willing to come back on after our audio failed from the first take. It's nice that you're a neighbor. You live right in the community here. And uh, as we start our time together today, why don't you share a little bit about how you came to know the Lord and just give us an idea of when Jesus first um, helped you to recognize your great need for him. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you for being willing to do take two. I feel very honored um, to have a second second opportunity to share. Um, So I grew up in a very conservative Christian home, um, meaning that it was more of a conservative church, I guess, than a conservative home. And the church was one in which uh, men wore the plain suits, women wore the cape dresses, you drove a, you didn't have to drive a black car, but you for sure didn't drive a red car. You know, it was, it was a, uh, you know, all of these guidelines about what it looks like to be a Christian. And, and a, a scripture I hear all the time is, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Okay. Um, actually, it was later in life that I actually read the rest of that verse, and it's, Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it starts in the heart and and not in the clothes Um, hopefully it ultimately um, uh, spills out into the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things that had to happen in my life so I grew up in that environment hearing the gospel over and over and over and we'd have these revival services where we'd sing all seven verses of just as I am and one more verse for that poor sinner out there that didn't come forward yet and I was, I was kind of a compliant child, and, and I sure didn't want to go to hell. So every time I heard that, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm, I sinned this week. I'll come forward. Um, and so I committed my life to Christ a lot of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't until I got into my teenage years and really started making much more independent decisions. I 
got my driver's license. I was I had a job uh, working at James Way. That ages me a little bit. And um, so I had the opportunity to make more decisions on my own. And what I decided was I thought I had a better plan for my life than God did. It sounded, I mean, when I'm growing up, I'm hearing about all this stuff happening in the world. And it sounded so, like so much fun. So I wanted to have fun. So why don't I try and have fun? So for me, my, my decision-making process was what will be fun? That is a very dangerous decision-making process. And um, thankfully, God protected me from a lot, a lot of foolish decisions. Um, I, I did make a lot of foolish decisions, um, which I deeply regret and had to try and um, uh, resolve them, uh, restitute them as much as I could um, in, in later years. But it was a high school coach. Ironically enough, Chris, the yeah. coach, the former coach, right? Um, it was a high school coach that I respected because, um, I mean, I knew he cared about me. He had kind of this gruff, tough coach voice, and he could get me to do things, you know, run that hill one more time, boy. And I'd run that hill, and, you know, we, he made me a better player because he pushed me hard, and ultimately... Um, he challenged me to make better decisions in life because he, he had the courage to sit me down. And he said, Kendall, I know what you're doing. I know where you're going after school. I know who you're involved with. And he's like, is that really, and in his voice, is that really the life you want? And I'm like, um, maybe not. And I went to a party the next night and I thought, no, this, is, this isn't what I want. And... Um, Thankfully, in God's sovereign timing, it was shortly after that that there was a, a pastor who came to our church. We had moved to a different church, a more mainline um, uh, Mennonite congregation, and the pastor who came there, he still preached clearly the gospel, but he wasn't just preaching it. He was living it. Like, I could see it in his life and in his family and the stories he would tell it was about what God was doing in his life that day, not just you need to change. It was God is changing me, and I invite you into this. And um, it just, it was incredibly compelling. And then it was shortly after that, uh, after I truly gave my life over to Christ, and then God started working on all these different areas of my life, cleaning me up. Uh, refining me, helping me make, make me more like him, that I ended up um, working at summer camp at Black Rock Retreat. Um, and Black Rock became just a greenhouse for my faith, a, a place where I could really grow um, and be surrounded by other Christians. So that's kind of my the beginning part of my journey. It continues. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting to hear you share about the pastor that uh, was leading your congregation. Um, so often we find that in that position, it's hard to be vulnerable because mm -hmm. people look to the position of the senior pastor and want to look up there and believe that that person's perfect and has his life put mm -hmm. together. But, oh, it couldn't be any further from the truth, right? And I think about uh, the verse in Scripture, I believe it's in Corinthians, where it talks about... Um, how the power of God is made perfect in our weakness. Mm. Yet in the church, 
where we're supposed to be countercultural, mm-hmm. we've kind of fallen into this trap of let's have that guy up there on stage be the strong, perfect, mm-hmm. mighty, powerful representative for us. And uh, oh, so often uh, you, you just want to remind everyone, you need me to be weak for you. Mm-hmm. You need me to be broken for you. Mm-hmm. You need my life to not be perfect for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I'm so thankful the Lord led a man like that into your life and uh, you were able to come to a knowledge of Christ through his ministry. It's yeah. a wonderful testimony. So, it's a good word. Yeah, the Lord leads you to BlackRock. You work for years at BlackRock, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you find yourself in the role of uh, major gifts officer, or mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, you're you're in a very uh, prominent position there. And COVID hits. So, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what that did to the nonprofit world. Um, and what your perspective was on that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I uh, just recently made a transition from BlackRock, and that was a, a difficult um, time for BlackRock. It still is challenging for them. So uh, the way BlackRock is structured from a financial standpoint, a lot of people know BlackRock Retreat as a summer camp, and that's how it got started. But the reality is, is summer camp isn't where BlackRock uh, receives its funds to be able to operate. Actually, because BlackRock sponsors about a third of the campers that come, um, it's really more of an outreach ministry that we're doing fundraising for, and and we're happy if we break even on summer camp, um, where we were able to make uh, funds to support staff and things like that is more in our retreat center, where we're able to provide retreats for groups, um, from all different areas, from New York City, Philadelphia, Baltimore, anywhere within a two-hour radius, people are coming to Black Rock Retreat. And, um, and so as we host those groups, that's, that's where Black Rock Retreat is able to, to make its money, to be able to support our facilities, and to be able to support our outreach ministries, like outdoor education for schools and summer camp for children. But COVID hits. Mm-hmm. And you can't host big groups. You can't get, you know, a, a group of 300 from New York City to come down. And, and, and so suddenly BlackRock's income goes to zero. Now what do we do? So thankfully, um, uh, we had some candid conversations as staff. The executive director there, Peter Fiorello, was just very candid with everybody on staff. And he said, look, I cannot promise you on the other side of this thing that we'll be able to keep everybody that's currently on staff. So he said, my recommendations are everybody update your resume and see what else might be out there. And if you find an opportunity, let's have a conversation. Um, so so that's the, the, the stance from BlackRock. Personally, in, in the role of fundraising, as I assess the situation, if you see camps that are smaller, um, they can't. They don't have a full-time development person. Mm. the The fundraising role gets split between board members and executive director and other staff. Uh, you just can't put put all your money there. And if if you think about it from the standpoint of somebody who's doing fundraising, if there's limited funds to pay staff, you have to pay your program staff that are running those programs that people want to give to. Mm. And if you can't pay your summer camp staff, if you can't run summer camp, 
It doesn't matter how great the development person is. I could go around and say, hey, you should give to BlackRock Retreat. And they'll say, what's happening over there? <laughs> Nothing. We can't pay our summer camp staff. Uh. So what am I giving towards? Your salary? I don't think so. <laughs> right. You know? So basically, I assessed the situation and said, you know, ironically, the best thing I can do for BlackRock is to find a different job. Wow. Um, and... Uh, Thankfully, I was able to have a couple different options, and through those options, um, one of those was a ministry called Serve Now, which I had already been familiar with, and um, it was it, yeah, it was totally a God thing that that brought me into this role. Um, so uh, I guess I could tell you a little bit of how that all happened well yeah it's amazing because what i'm hearing is in the midst of covid19 the lord determines in his sovereign plan for your life to bring you into an abraham moment mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> kendall kendall <laughs> step step away from all of this that you've known for all these years step mm-hmm. away from everything that has been comfortable to you that everything that that where, where you have reputations and relationships and networks established mm-hmm. I'm not sure where you're going, but uh, I'm going to provide. So right. get your resume ready. Yeah. <laughs> Step away and uh, and follow me. And and here, boom, serve now. How did it happen? Yeah. You go from a a local, fairly local ministry, mm-hmm. like where you saying people are coming from about two hours away. Yeah. And the Lord moves in this season and shifts you into a a mass. Global ministry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, it's a, it's a walk of faith. <laughs> um, yes, I feel I know I'm exactly where God wants me to be because I feel uh, very like it's bigger than anything I could do on my own, which is usually where God wants us to be. And so, what happened um, in in the transition was I was actually uh, putting out my resume to a couple different places. And um, I forgot about an email that I had received back in December uh, from the president of ServeNow, Ben Foley. He had sent me an email back in December and said, you know, hey, we're looking to hire a position at ServeNow. Would you be interested? And at that point, I was happy at BlackRock. I mean, I didn't really have any reason to be looking to do anything different. So I just told him, hey, thanks for, you know, the honor of asking, but I'm, I'm okay. Well, anyway... I had completely forgotten about that email until this one particular day as I was thinking and praying about, you know, what God might have next for me. And so I remembered, uh, oh yeah, in December, Ben had sent me this email. I wonder if they ever filled that position. So I sent him an email and the timing of it was, uh, he's like, "Um, your timing is uh, quite surprising. Because uh, there was a situation, a, a person was hired, that person had a major tragedy in their life and um, just wasn't able to continue with that position. And the other thing that happened was COVID happened. So they weren't even sure how a person would do the face-to-face interactive work. So they just agreed together, we're going we're gonna to bring this chapter to a close. And that all happened the day before I sent him an email and said, by the way, did you ever fill that position? And he's like, wow. Okay, um, maybe this is a God thing. Let's have a conversation. Oh, my. So, so he already had your next place 
planned. You just had to step out in faith and believe it. Yeah, and and well, and and to be willing to um, say yes, I'm going to move into a ministry that feels bigger than anything I can handle. Um, you know, like you said, Black Rock Retreat's a local ministry. I, I I knew a lot of the people that I was involved with, and here I'm stepping into a new realm. Um, in, in countries that I had never even heard of, you know, they're doing ministry. So it's been a real wonderful, challenging learning experience and just uh, inspiring to think about what God is doing beyond. I mean, we, we in America, we get so focused on just what we see happening or what's on the news and there is so much going on around the world in good ways and in challenging ways that people we're just not hearing about or seeing because we have this small little, mm-hmm. you know, kind of our standard news things that we hear about. Mm-hmm. We have a bubble. Yeah. I mean, all of us kind of have a bubble that we live in that we're comfortable with. And uh, ministries like Serve Now really force you to look outside yeah. of the bubble yeah and that's a wonderful thing about that about the ministry of serve now yeah yeah so what is your role as you step into your position there what will you be doing at serve now so um first of all god has called me to be a servant mm. <laughs> to serve him now mm. by uh by sharing christ's passion with the most vulnerable mm. and and the way serve now does that Uh, There are a lot of vulnerable around the world. And they do that through the national churches and leaders in countries around the world. So, for example, my heart has really been drawn to a pastor in Uganda whose name is Moses. Hmm. (laughs) And and, um, he actually, um, he has the vision for helping orphans have a home where they can grow up and be taught the Bible and, and, and be ready to transform the next generation of Africa. He has a vision for uh, outreach ministries, church plantings in his area where he empowers pastors in rural areas that, that are they're out where there's no Christian bookstores, there's no internet, there's no electricity. And, and these guys are trying to pastor in these areas where they're walking 25 miles a week average just to connect with their congregation. And, and what do they have? They might have a Bible. Hmm. Some of them might have a couple Bibles they're sharing between them. And, and even with a Bible, they have no other Christian resources. So one of the things that Serve Now does is they, they realize that one of the best things they can provide for these pastors is a series of booklets. They call it the basic series. Mm-hmm. And this series of booklets provides a resource to these pastors that as they're, they're connecting with people in these rural areas, that they can have something to communicate the basic truths of the Bible. Actually, the founder of Serve Now, his name is Lars Dunberg. He had worked in missions for over 50 years, and his daughter actually started the ministry Serve Now. And so he was excited his daughter started this, and then his daughter got cancer. And she thought, okay, God, I thought you wanted me to start this ministry. What do you you want to happen with this? And her dad 
felt like God was calling him to step in and help, you know, keep launching this ministry. And so Lars uh, got involved in this ministry, and it just started growing and growing and connecting and making a a huge impact around the world. And so um, Lars knew it was kind of bigger than what he could handle, and he wanted to get the next generation involved. So that's how Ben Foley, a a guy who grew up in this local area, Mm -hmm. ended up becoming the president of Serve Now. He was a pastor in New Jersey, and uh, now he's living in Colorado and um, felt God's call to be president. He's uh, So um, it's continuing to move on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. But Lars wrote a book. He called It's called You Can Change the World. And I'd love to just read a little section out of here to help us imagine what it's like to live in one of these countries and be a pastor in one of those countries. So he says this. He says, imagine having come to faith a few months ago. You're a young Christian. Your entire family is steeped deeply in the local religion and has never heard the name of Christ. Your pastor is also a fairly recent convert. And has never even attended a Bible course. Now, Chris, you've attended a few. (laughs) A few. (laughs) I mean, all of us in America, you know, uh, my daughter just graduated and she got a graduation gift uh, just the other day of a Bible. And it was a beautiful, you know, wonderful study Bible. And she kind of commented, this is a wonderful gift. But I actually already have three other Bibles. <laughs> and, and this is America. Mm-hmm. We, we have so much. So for us, we have to really imagine what, what in the world is this like? And this is the world these pastors are trying to pastor in. Mm-hmm. So as a congregant, the other day, you receive your first copy of a New Testament from your pastor. However, when it comes to the basic Christian teachings on the most basic subjects, neither you nor your pastor has much understanding at all. I mean, if if those who are listening can just imagine uh, the times when you've committed, I'm going to read through the entire Bible. And you start reading through the Bible and you're like, what in the world does this mean? Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And and as a young Christian, I mean, people can just get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I don't even understand. It's easy to want to give up. Neither you nor your pastor has much understanding of the basic subjects of Christianity. There is no Christian bookshop in the village you live in. And as a matter of fact, there are no supply of books anywhere within several hundred miles. Hmm. So what a serve now does is is they have uh, 30 different booklets that they've put together. Each booklet is about 32 pages long. So it's written in a basic, easy, uh, easy to understand language using as little Christianese as, mm-hmm. as possible. And they have been translated into uh, over 15 different languages um, that are used in all these countries to really help the, the Christians make sure that they're continuing to be discipled in the faith. Basic things you need to know about Jesus. Basic things you need to know about reading and studying the Bible. Basic things you need to know about the Holy Spirit, about prayer, about the church. And each one of these booklets, they start one booklet at a time. The pastor includes that in his sermons. They do small group Bible studies. And um, it's just a wonderful way to help these young believers continue to grow in their faith, to stay true, and continue to share their faith 
with their communities. That's wonderful. And you mentioned uh, as you began as talking about Lars and, and him uh, beginning this ministry. I believe uh, one of the things that I see on their logos is uh, they are a global partner of uh, Calvary Monument Bible Church. And one of the things I Thank think I've seen that. is serve now, procrastinate later, yeah. which really seems to be the heartbeat of that ministry. Yeah. As I know, yeah. Ben is always on the go. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be on the go quite a mm-hmm. bit. I know you're doing a lot on the East Coast, but you have a vision for this ministry from of Serve Now that's taking place right now in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a beautiful thing because as you express this for our listeners today, uh, they're going to see how you can put feet to a spiritual revival that, that could be taking place in another country. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Uganda, about what you envision, and about how maybe little churches all up and down the east coast of America perhaps even including ours, could be part of a spiritual revival that God is bringing amongst Christians in the country of Uganda. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me, um, I'm going to start by sharing a story um, that I didn't actually share last time. It's because I had a meeting with another pastor um, here on the East Coast, and he talked about how his church got energized to partner with another church around the world. Um and the way they did it, see, a lot of times we think, how, how can I give? I mean, I'm, you know, what, what, there's so many ministries to give to. How do I, you know, and as a pastor, people are already giving. You don't want them to stop giving offerings. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, need, you guys need to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And what this church decided to do was they, were, they decided they were going to do two things as a congregation. They were going to make a commitment to fast one meal per week. And they were going to have one, uh, they called it a save a life meal, where it was just the basics. Like they were going to do either peanut butter and jelly or rice and beans or something. And then they were going to take a bucket offering at their church for those two meals, calculate how much they saved as a family. They did that every week. And every week they'd do a bucket offering and throw in there the change or the couple dollars for their family or whatever. This church has been able to give anywhere between 15 to $30,000 a year over and above their normal giving because people said, I'm going to live simply so that others can simply live. I'm going to become sacrificial Mm. so that people around the world can have the basic things you need to know about Jesus, Mm. the basic things of life. And and what I got inspired by is... um, I'm a, I'm a cyclist. I love to ride bike. Uh, some people are like, you are crazy. I hate to ride bike. But um, so I say, okay, God, this is something you've given me a passion for. Well, I really connected with the pastors in Uganda who even during this time of COVID, because their churches can't meet in one location, they needed to get around and try and encourage their congregation. They can't do YouTube videos. So how do they connect with their congregation? They have to go and visit them in their homes. Mm-hmm. Well, some of them are walking, but some of them, because of generous donors to serve now, people had bought bikes for some of the pastors in Uganda. And I just want to read a little bit out of Lars' book mm-hmm. here about yeah. uh, what a bike can do for a pastor in Uganda. He says this, In Uganda, the pastors living in remote areas... And often, they're often pastoring several congregations. Their biggest need is a bicycle so they can get quickly from place to place. 
Recently, we were able to place bicycles with several pastors. This was such an awesome occasion for them that they dressed up in their best clothes, some in three-piece suits, white shirts and ties to receive their new mode of transportation. Wow. And I was just inspired by hearing the vision of more bicycles for the people of Uganda, more bicycles um, for the, the pastors in Africa. And, and so what I'm envisioning doing, and this is something I'm still working out all the details, how I'm going to pull this off. But I have the vision of since Serve Now's uh, ministry is located, uh, their home office is in Colorado. Um, I would like to organize a bike ride to Colorado and while doing it, fundraise for um, bikes for pastors and also for booklets. So the thought is a, a bike costs about $200. And booklets for a church would cost another $100. So that's $300 to support a pastor and a church to multiply God's uh, word around uh, Africa and around Uganda. And I thought, $300, could I get maybe... Africa has a vision of having 10,000 more bikes. That's a big vision. Wow. Woo, that's wow. a lot of bikes. Mm. Um, I thought, well, let me just see how many, how many people we can get inspired to support a pastor with, you know, however many bikes. And one of the things I want to do is, is try and speak at churches along the way between here and Colorado, uh, maybe share a vision. And what I could share is this idea of, you know, when you're riding a bike, you can't eat like everybody else does. Mm. You've got to really get down to the basics. And so... You know, maybe people say, I'm going to have a granola bar day or I'm going to have a cliff bar day or whatever it looks like to be able to say, I'm going to live simply so that others can simply live. It's, mm. it's a vision that I'm feeling compelled to, to call people to. I love it. I love it because um, so often I think when we think about global ministries, we think about two things. We think about either money and giving mm -hmm. and supporting that way, which is fine. Or we think about going, mm -hmm. you know, boots on the ground and getting there, which is difficult in today's realities with COVID <laughs> yeah, and all yeah. these things. Travel and, restrictions. Right. So you're saying, what I'm hearing you saying is in America, we can, from where we're at right now, take part. Mm -hmm. And it may even be able to do that. Maybe some people want to ride with you. Yeah. Maybe some yeah. people want to ride 100 miles with you. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they want to yep. get some sponsors. Yep. Maybe yeah. they want to say, hey, uh, I'm going to ride 300 miles and I want, uh, I want $100 of sponsorships for every 100 miles. So there's your $300. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I'm amazed by it and I'm excited for you. And I, I think it's so wonderful. And I, I can't wait to hear more about what the Lord does as you continue to walk forward in this and uh, to see how many bikes are provided for pastors in the country of Uganda and what they're going to be able to do to get around to their congregations and to share the word of God. It's uh, it's really incredible to think yeah. about. Yeah. So, Well, it's definitely yeah. something that I will not be able to do on my own. Yeah. I will be able to say I can commit to, I will personally give out of my income to, you know, X number of bikes. My wife and I hadn't decided how many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can for sure do one. <laughs> but, um, you know, how many are we going to do? But to really be a blessing, I'm going to need people around me 
maybe Calvary Monument, the mm. people there will get inspired to say, we want to be the first church to get behind this vision. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, you know, there will be an individual that's listening to this podcast that says, I want to be the first one to help, you know, kick this vision off and, and, and get it started. Yeah. So anyway, um, I do want to read one verse that's really been um, a heartbeat of Serve Now and is also a verse that that in my personal devotions just the other morning, God really uh, challenged me with. Because Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples, he said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Mm. And I thought, well, God, what is that command? You know, what does that mean? What, is, what are your commands, God? You know? And I thought about Jesus' brother and what he wrote in the book of James. Mm-hmm. And he said that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And, and as I think about that call, I mean, what Jesus said is, whatever you've done for the least of these is what you did for me. And I think the way that we love Jesus is how we treat the most vulnerable people around us. And that, for somebody who's listening today, that might be somebody in your family. That might be the person that you need to show Jesus' love to. It might be an aging parent. You need to show them Jesus' love. Or maybe it's an orphan in Africa. Maybe it's a pastor in Africa. Maybe it's a, it's a, a lady in Nepal who's at risk for sex trafficking. Whatever it is, do for the least of these what you would do for Jesus if he were the one in front of you. Mm, I love that. So good. Um, Love one another. Talking about our neighbors, how we care for those who are vulnerable, who the Lord puts in our pathways. Wonderful truths. How can folks get in touch with you if they're interested in partnering with Serve Now? Sure. So um, you can... Call me on my cell phone, 610-470-5529. You are brave. Call, text, whatever, man. Listen, I am. It's okay. I'm on Facebook. Um, You can connect with the Serve Now ministry at weservenow.org. You can reach me on my email. I have a personal email address, kendallkeeler at gmail.com. That's Kendall. Like the motor oil, Kendall, K-E-N-D-A-L-L. Mm. Keeler is K-E-E-L-E-R um, at gmail.org or at my ServeNow email address, which is kkeeler at weservenow.org. Mm. So that's a variety of ways people can get a hold of me in the ServeNow ministry. Wonderful. Thank you, Kendall. Thanks so much for coming on today. Before we close shop uh there's one other item that i would hope that you'd share a little bit about many people may not know if they've never met you before and don't know you that you have published a book Mm -hmm. recently and um so if you can talk a little bit uh just give us a basic idea about your book and where we can find it and uh the title and maybe the story behind that yeah um so when i turned 45 which happened to be two years ago I was spending a good bit of time with my grandmother, and this uh, this is one of those things where sometimes uh, the, the older folks in our lives um, can get pushed to the margins, mm. um, but God uh, 
has reminded me how much we need that generation. As young people, we need them. And so I, um, I invited my grandmother to come along with me on various visits that I would make to retirement homes. Because in my role, I visit a lot of people in retirement homes um, and a lot of people other places as well. But I knew that she had people she wanted to visit there and I had people I wanted to visit there. And so we were spending a lot of time together um, visiting folks and she would challenge me. Oh my goodness, she would be like, Kendall, how's your prayer life? Ouch. From, from uh, grandma. It's, it's it's doing all right. You know, I'm work um, you know, do you have people praying for you in your ministry? Are you, you know, do you have a prayer team around you? Anyway, it's just really good stuff. So I'm spending time with my grandmother, and she's ninety-three. Now she's in heaven now. She's her perspective is even better. But at that point she was ninety-three. And I was thinking, okay, I'm forty-five. If I were to live to 90 or more, I could actually live my entire life all over again. Another 45 years. Wow. Now, what am I going to do with that 45 years? You know, am I just going to waste it away? Or does God have something he's calling me to? And I felt like at that point in, in time, God wanted me to start doing some writing. And I'm like, I'm not a writer. I don't... <laughs> this is not like... I struggled with reading when I was younger. You know, I, I'm not sure I'm a writer. And uh, God placed in my life a wife who is just, she loves language. I mean, she teaches, she does uh, tutoring for dyslexic children, and, and she loves diagramming sentences. She's going to be teaching Latin in, in the fall. Like, this is the person that God placed in my life. And so what I felt called to do was write rough drafts and then let her help refine my sentence structures a little bit to make sure I was making sense. And it, it ended up being a wonderful partnership between my wife and I to have conversations about the material in the book. The, this particular book is called Your Last 24, and it's actually about death. And what inspired me to write on that topic was in my 20s, I had a person who was very close to me die suddenly i mean in her in her sleep there was no reason i mean and actually her autopsy didn't even show anything i mean all they came up with was there was something wrong with her heart like there was no indication she was going to die mm. and it it alerted me that every single one of us um this could be our last day today could be our last 24 and so it inspired me over the years to be thinking about how would i live my life if today were my last 24 hours and that thought became very helpful to me. And I felt like I need to share that message with others, the younger generation, or people that are just thinking, you know, I'm going to focus. I, I don't want to think about death. I don't want to talk about death. You know, I just want to live my life and, and, and go on. And the reality is, actually, some of the best conversations we need to have in our lives are about the hard stuff. Mm. We spend plenty of time planning for vacations that we hope we'll take, but that's not for sure. But death is something that is guaranteed. It is going to happen. So why don't we deliberately face it, talk about it, and be prepared for it? Wonderful. Wow. I, yeah, it reminds me, I, I listened to a pastor one time preach, and he, uh, 
he said uh, a sentence that has stuck with me for most of my ministry. I mean, it was before I was even in ministry that I heard him. He said, one uh, measure of godliness in a person's life is how well they've prepared for their death. Mm. And I thought, that's wow, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it was really, really good. And, and it was just that idea of, of thinking heavenly mm-hmm. here on earth. Yeah. You know, set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So wonderful. Um, if you would like to purchase Kendall's book, it's available in, uh, on the Amazon store. Uh, you would just look for your last 24. Or and, Kendall Keeler. Yep. I'm, I'm apparently the only Kendall Keeler that's written a book on Amazon. Awesome. So it'll be easy to find if you'd like to purchase a copy of it. Kendall, yep. Or they can go to my website, which is kendallkeeler.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on. Thanks for sharing about the journey that you have been on in the midst of COVID, about the ministry of Serve Now, about how we can partner with a country like Uganda in uh, bringing, helping to bring a spiritual revival to the people there, uh, in talking about uh, your book and just sharing from your heart about how the Lord's working in your life. Uh, we appreciate it, and we hope you have a good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us on the CNBC podcast. We'll see you next time.